So when my four daughters were younger and my wife and I were still able to read to them, something which I kind of miss, I have to say, uh, one of our favorites was this book right here, which you probably can't see from there, but it is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Anybody ever heard of this book before? Marvelous book. Anyway, it was published more than 40 years ago in 1972. The author, Judith Viore, uh, chronicles a day in the life of a young boy named Alexander. And everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong for him on this particular day. He gets stuck sitting in the middle of the back seat on the carpool on the way to school, afraid he's going to get sick. He doesn't get a dessert in his lunch while all of his buddies at the table have desserts. And he gets in trouble for fighting with his brothers shoe shopping after school. They have lima beans for dinner. He hates lima beans. He has to wear his railroad train pajamas to bed. He hates his railroad train pajamas. And the cat won't sleep in his bed at night, wants to sleep with one of his brothers. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. It's a book children can identify with because even the youngest among us have bad days. And so the book puts into words what uh, children are experiencing and feeling, letting them know that things like this can and do happen. And the real issue, as Alexander finds out, is what we do with these days when they happen. And all of this is preparatory, leading us into the message for today as we continue our Advent preaching series, The King is Coming. And today, this third Sunday in Advent, it is rooted and grounded in those prophetic words from God's servant Zephaniah under the theme, The King will have his day. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So we're familiar with Isaiah, we're familiar with Jeremiah, but maybe not so much with uh, what are called the minor prophets. That's really a term I do not like, the minor prophets, like they're less important. So let's uh, set the words of Zephaniah in a little bit of context and background here. First of all, there's only three chapters in the whole book of Zephaniah anyway. Go home and read them all. It'll take you just a few minutes. And the opening verse, chapter 1, verse 1, speaks of when Zephaniah's prophetic ministry is dated. We're told in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now we know when Josiah was king from the years 640 to 609 BC. So it's in this time period that the word of the Lord came to Zephaniah. Chapters 1 and 2 and a good bit of chapter 3 in Zephaniah all focus on God's coming judgment on Judah and Jerusalem, his chosen people. 
Josiah, King Josiah, is one of the very few kings in Judah who receives unqualified praise, especially for his religious reforms that remove foreign idolatrous practices in the life of the kingdom. So the people were drawn back into a living relationship with the Lord God. And we know that these reforms started to be carried out about the year 622 B.C. And so it would seem perhaps that these words of judgment here in Zephaniah would predate the uh, religious reforms of King Josiah. But you see, God's judgment is not directed just at his chosen people, just Judah, just Jerusalem. No, it extends out to all nations. And so it's important to understand that the words of hope, the words of restoration that we have, and they're sweet and beautiful words here in today's Old Testament lesson, that they are preceded by convicting and harsh words of judgment, God's judgment against the sins of the people. So if that were true then, is it true today for us as well? The sweet words of comfort in the gospel that we hold fast to and cling to of the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation in our King, Jesus Christ, that these words of hope and restoration must first be preceded by the words of God's judgment against our sin. The King will have His day. So like Alexander, who had such a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, you know, sometimes we can get confused about what constitutes a bad day and what constitutes a good day. In truth, much of Alexander's day was so awful because of his own doing his own attitude, his own outlook and perspective. And that was Zephaniah's point with the people of his day. They understood the promised day of the Lord as a day of deliverance, a day of salvation that God would save and deliver them from all their enemies. But you see, their confidence was not so much in God, as it was in themselves. They wanted the salvation. They wanted the deliverance, but without the repentance and change of heart and mind. And because of their stubborn refusal to repent and turn to the Lord, that day they were so looking forward to and anticipating with eager expectation would be a day of distress and anguish, Zephaniah tells us. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blast and battle cry, not what they were expecting. We also want that salvation 
and deliverance. But sometimes we want it on our terms. Sometimes we may find it hard to admit that we have, in fact, sinned in thought, word, and deed. Not only by what we have done, but by what we have left undone. And so left to ourselves, where's the hope? Where is the fulfillment? We are left with God's righteous anger and judgment. The king will have his day. God does indeed come as king to do what must be done. He doesn't need our permission or our authorization to do this. He doesn't come to pander to our terms or our definitions of what is good or bad, what is real or false. God has a way of showing that each and every day lived apart from him is, in fact, a day of distress and anguish. It's a day of darkness and gloom. So what do we do? Where do we turn? Here is our hope that God in His infinite wisdom and mercy has a way of transforming even that most awful day of distress and anguish, of darkness and gloom into a day of rejoicing and grace and blessing. And this is because the one great day, a day that truly was the most terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, that day on which the innocent Son of God, our Savior and our King, was put to death. Not because of anything He had done, but because of what we had done. He was put to death on the cross for you and for me and for the sins of the whole world. What seemed a day of the greatest injustice imaginable turned out to be that day in which the king accomplished ultimate justice and righteousness when payment for our sin was satisfied and the words paid in full were written over that debt we owed in blood. And this is something only God could accomplish. And what do we call this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? You know it. We call it Good Friday. And so it is good for us. So here in the midst of Advent, we're already thinking ahead to the purpose of the king's coming. When the wood of his cradle would give way to the wood of his cross. And so, my friends, through humble and trusting faith in this king and what he has done for you and for me, we need have no fear of that great day 
when he shall come again. You see, for the child of God who trusts in Jesus, that day will not be the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. In Jesus, this day will be a day of rejoicing and thanksgiving as he comes to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Truly, the king is coming, and the king will have his day. This day, the third Sunday in Advent, is sometimes referred to by its Latin name, Gaudete Sunday. Rejoice! Just like Paul tells us, the opening words of the epistle reading, rejoice always, again I will say, rejoice! And we do, in fact, rejoice, not just at the coming of the Christmas holiday, but at the coming of the Christ of Christmas. And we rejoice because Christ, our King, rejoices in us. As Zephaniah writes, the Lord God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Hold on to that beautiful and beloved image now in these days of Advent and all days to come. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.